Opening day is here and Red Sox baseball is back. You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I am your host, Jakey Nizuski. And as I said in the open, Red Sox baseball is back, baby. I can't believe opening day is finally here. I'm so excited. I actually am grateful enough to be able to take part and actually enjoy opening day at Fenway Park today. It's my first ever time being able to experience it, but we wanted to help preview this big game as best as possible. So I had the opportunity to speak with co-host of the ITM podcast, Joey Capone, and we sort of previewed the opening day of the Red Sox 2023 season talked about some bold predictions, some X factors, and everything you need to know going into the Red Sox 2023 season. Let's get into Joey and I's conversation now. I am here with the co-host of ITM Podcast, Joey Capone, ahead of opening day. How are we doing, Joey? I'm doing good, man. I think the sun shone a little brighter. Shone? Shined? The sun was a little brighter today. I got a dose of optimism that I've been needing. It was really since early spring training that I had felt as good as I felt today. I'm very, very excited for opening day. Yeah, it, it felt like spring today. It might not feel like that uh, when opening day is actually played at Fenway Park. Looks to be a little bit in the 40s or so, but hopefully, you know, the Sox uh, can bring some warmth or some sunshine to, you know, Red Sox fans' minds and you know, start the momentum pumping early on opening day. But how are you feeling about the team going into opening day and, and just sort of the vibe that you're getting early on? I've been so back and forth this spring, man. I think early on, I think we all felt pretty similarly early on, meaning on January, like basically after bogey left. And as the team was slowly getting constructed, I think vibes were low Mm -hmm. vibes were low kind of everywhere, but it might be a byproduct of being too close to the product of like being, I always mess up this phrase. I'm never going to get it right. It's like being too close (laughs) to the forest to see the trees, I think is what it means. You get too wrapped up in something. You don't see it for what it is. So it might be that, but I've just been feeling better and better and better about the team. I think the vibes in the clubhouse are really good. Everybody I know who's been there has said great things about it. Uh, The mic'd up videos that have come out, you know, Mm -hmm. the behind the scenes stuff on the Red Sox YouTube, which is always unreal stuff like that. That all looks uh, so fun. And then the guys get into Boston, seeing the new updated clubhouse. That looked unbelievable. Which looks sick. And all of the players were stoked about it. Yeah. It just says something. It says a little bit more than we cleaned up your clubhouse. It says, like, we care about this. We want you guys to want to be here. Um, So I think all things considered for losing a homegrown star mm-hmm. this offseason, I think vibes are as high as they can be, all things considered. 
I agree. And, you know, I, I can't remember, honestly, the last time where the Red Sox season has started at Fenway Park. You know, most of the time, you know, they start on the road and then, you know, it's it's a week or two before, you know, it's the home opener to sort of start at Fenway Park, you know, with the atmosphere, with a new pitcher and Corey Kluber, who's going to have to sort of be like an X factor or, or a player that the team sort of relies on at the top of that rotation. I, I mean, I don't think you can start it off any better. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a while. I mean, I want to say 20, is it 2018? Is it since 18? It, it's been a little bit. Uh, since they since they opened it or did they open in 21 it doesn't you know what it, i was gonna look it up it doesn't matter but uh i'm i'm happy that they are i'm always down for some march baseball i think it it tests out who's who's a real fan who wants to be there not right. that it's a competition but if you're there at the park looking around like you know everybody who's there wants to be there Right. You know, no, nobody stumbled into those tickets like i was telling steve my my co-host steve Peralt. The first game that I made sure I was going to this year, aside from opening day, was a Tuesday night rainy game <laughs> against the Pirates in early April. Like, I want to be at Fenway when the other 700 people who are there are diehards and want to be there, <laughs> uh, especially in a year where the media coverage of the Sox has either been super negative Mm -hmm. or just hasn't existed. If it's right. not a baseball-specific show, if you're watching TV, if you're listening on the radio, you're not hearing about the Sox unless you're tuning into the Baseball Hour or you're watching MLB Network. Like, mm -hmm. SportsCenter is not going to be talking about baseball in general, but they're right. not going to be talking about the Red Sox specifically right now. So um, all of that considered, all of that you know, taken into account, um, I think it's... I think it's still going to be a very exciting opening day and uh yeah man i'm i'm stoked that it's at fenway i props to the people who make that happen who are mm -hmm. like every time it snows every time it rains here every time i see that it's going to be 20 degrees tomorrow night like i think of dave meller and the rest of the grounds crew keeping <laughs> that place up and running and they just restarted the whole place i mean god bless them they are doing everything they can to make that place ready to play some march baseball in boston yeah, they always make it look pretty. And, you know, I, I said to you before, you know, we hit record tomorrow is going to be or, you know, when people are listening, it's going to be today. It's going to be my first opening day. And, you know, I, I've always watched it on TV, you know, the flyover, you know, the the huge flag. But I'm excited to actually be there and actually sort of feel the energy. And I feel like as well, you know, you brought up the fan aspect of, of being there early on in the season. I think a component as well as, you know, some of the newer players that haven't played in, you know, Boston in April or in March and with those cold sort of weather nights. I mean, I remember Kiki Hernandez when he first joined the team, you know, in 2021, he, he struggled a little bit and he attributed to the cold. You know, he's played in L.A., you know, majority of his career. And, you know, you could even point to Justin Turner as a guy who might have to acclimate to that. But that's one thing that, you know, you think about with Yoshida coming over from a whole different country, acclimating that way, but like for different guys from like the West coast or who have played primarily in, you know, hot weather areas, acclimating to the cold weather doesn't really, isn't really something that you originally think about. Dude, uh, Yoshida has to as well, because, you know, I think it's a hundred percent of, of, uh, uh, Japanese parks are domed parks. Right. So, and, and even then they don't, I don't know if Japan gets 
I'm not really a, a weather guy, so I don't really know. If, <laughs> yeah, even if the know. dome was open, I don't know what the weather would be like. I really don't know. I think there's uh, ski mountains in Japan. I don't know. Yeah, I, sure. I'll believe you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, that that's something, too. I mean, Yoshi also playing against the sun, playing in left field. Like, that's another thing. There's a couple of things to get to get acclimated to for him on top of being on a team where uh, nobody speaks his language mm-hmm. and he's, you know, playing in a, a brand new place. So, um, but yeah, man, I remember when, when Kike first came, he wore like turtlenecks. He wore like yeah. fleece jackets under his Jersey. <laughs> that was, that was wild. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's weird. Cause you got to give those guys a little bit of leeway and say like, oh, mm-hmm. this is new to them. So I mean, if they struggle in, in early April, that the cold might be a factor, but the way this uh, schedule is constructed for the Red Sox, you got no time to waste in April. Right. You can't come out of the gate slow because their season opens up Orioles, Pirates, Tigers. And if you look through April, it stays pretty um, uh, manageable. And then once you get to May, you are in for it i don't uh here let me let me pull it up exactly here the schedule from the end of april through uh near the end of may goes guardians blue jays phillies braves cardinals mariners padres jeez it is a gauntlet so as much as you want to give some leeway for be it cold be it a new environment be it whatever in april this year specifically, it's like, okay, we are we are not a favorite in this division by any means. Right. We need every win that we can get, especially during this stretch of the season. So I guess you got to rely on the guys that have been there a little bit and whatever. But um, guys like JT, it's like he's you know been around so long. He's such a leader, veteran presence. I, you can't worry about him too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got to hope that he you know leads by example and whatever and. Uh, the Devers kind of steps into that leadership role too, and and uh, carries some of that weight early on while other guys are still adjusting. I hope that you are enjoying my conversation with Joey, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about FanDuel. So the tournament is heating up. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from money line to point scores to which team will be cutting down the net. That's all on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And since this opening day today, you can go and bet on the Red Sox making the playoffs, winning the World Series. You can also do some player props as well. Rafael Devers, you know, over on home runs, Adam Duvall, over on RBIs, anything that your heart desires over on FanDuel. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. And also, if you want to get ready for the baseball season, you got to check out Lockdown MLB's ultimate six-episode season preview. Our local and national experts give in-depth analysis of every team and division in a way only Lockdown can provide. So find all six episodes on Lockdown MLB on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's get back into my conversation with Joey. 
And I, I think it helps a lot as well that, you know, Whitlock and Bayo are primarily scheduled to uh, come back around mid-April. So luckily it's sort of like right when that sort of gauntlet stretch uh, begins. But I remember last year, the lineup sort of forgot how to hit and the rotation in the bullpen were two parts that, you know, were sort of uh, fans were nervous going into the season if, if they were going to perform up to par. And I remember the bullpen like shoved and the rotation was the strength, but the lineup was something that, you know, you know, w- was just abysmal throughout April. And I'm curious to sort of see which unit, you know, is sort of the strength, at least for the first month, you could easily say that the rotation with the amount of injuries that it does have might sort of already be the weakness of the team, but you don't really know until, you know, opening day hits and the regular season officially begins. Yeah. There's a ton of question marks in the rotation now, as there were in spring, as there were during the winter, and as there probably will be throughout the whole summer. Uh, It's going to be, if not the biggest liability, then the biggest question mark. It is going to be just an amorphous blob that keeps getting added to and pulled away from and whatever. Uh, I mean, out of the gate, your, your first three starters in your opening series are an aged veteran who's never pitched here, uh, a veteran who has made 11 starts since 2019 and a guy who just averaged four home runs per nine innings in spring. So, uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say that the rotation is something to be concerned about. But like you said, Bayo's not missing a bunch of time. Whitlock's not missing a bunch of time. I think uh, I think Paxton is already throwing as well. I think he he had a start in um, in the minors somewhere, uh, so it shouldn't be too long. But something says to me, if I was to make a little prediction here, I would say that that will be an issue throughout this entire year of trying to bolster the rotation, trying to fill in for a guy. People going down even for. Mm-hmm. Short times, it is going to be uh, always changing, always adapting. I agree. And, you, you know, I I, th- I think the biggest question is, you know, Kluber, Sale, and, uh, you, you know, you could also sort of say, like, a guy like Wicklock and Bayou, like, what innings are they really going to give you? And, you know, I, I remember I saw somebody say this on Twitter, and it was tough not to laugh at it. Like, you know, if, if Kluber, Pavetta, and, and – uh, sale all combined for 600 innings like the Red Sox will win the World <laughs> Series and I just you know cracked up laughing when I saw that because it's just so hard to even imagine you know Kluber or Chris Sale getting over you know 150 but you know mm-hmm. we're going to do some predictions throughout this episode and you know as we're talking about the rotation right now who do, who do you think is going to make the most starts in my mind I think it's Kluber I, I think he'll give you over 30 starts tough to say tough to say I'd like it to be Kluber. It's hard for my, you know, dumb caveman brain to say that because uh, as I go to, there's just this little voice that's like, he's old. And I just can't <laughs> get past that. Uh, I know how heavily older pitchers have been relied on. I know if you look at the past couple of Cy Young winners, that they're not, you know, uh, spring chickens. I know that it's possible. I know Kluber pitched 164 innings last year, I think it was. So it it is totally possible. Uh, You know, if I had to bet on a guy for longevity, it would be Nick Pavetta. He 
in the last two seasons with the Sox, averaged 31 and a half starts a year, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. So I think it was 30 and 33 mm-hmm. that he made over the past two years. He's been a workhorse uh, and he's kind of gotten overlooked. He just has been this uh, other guy in the rotation that we're like, well, yeah, Pavetta right. fills a spot and he does more than fill a spot. He's a workhorse and he cares a lot and he's not going to be an all-star. He's a, you know what you're getting kind of guy, mm-hmm. but I think, don't see any reason why he can't be that again and just continue to be the guy who makes starts, fills innings for you. I feel you, but I, I, I see like him being at the number five spot sort of is an indicator that he's so, sort of, you know, one of the first people to move into the bullpen outside of, you know, Hauk or, or Crawford, you know, depending on, you know, once Bayo and Whitlock both come back, you know, I mean, the easy answers are, are Crawford and Hauk. Yeah, you go to the bullpen. But what if Winkowski's shoving? And what if when Paxton comes back in May? It's all the what ifs, you know what I mean? There's just so many what ifs, but like, yeah, that's I just think, like the first thing that comes to mind. I think that the reason you wouldn't with Pavetta is because you've gotten 30 and 33 starts out of him right. two years in a row. So I don't think you'd be getting the most out of him by putting him uh, in in the bullpen. I think Hauk, you certainly would. I think, yeah, I think Hauk, to. if you're asking me, I mean, Hauk belongs in the bullpen. I think yeah. that Alex Cora put a big, uh, it's like a mark of trust to put mm-hmm. him third in the rotation. Yeah. I, I would I not have guessed that. that. I mean, in the opening series, it, it it's a, um, what is the word act of faith, act of trust. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's representative of, uh, the kind of pitcher or the caliber of pitcher that Cora thinks of him to be. I don't right. think there's anything Winkowski can do to like maintain a spot in the rotation. No, yeah. Anything. I know what you mean. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I think it's Whitlock that goes back and forth because they know they can do that to him. I Mm -hmm. wish they wouldn't, but I think that he would unfortunately be the guy who they they send back and forth where I imagine Hauk probably finds a permanent home in the bullpen uh, and maybe maybe fills in here and there when, you know, Paxton inevitably goes down for the whole season come early June. And then, you know, I, I think the other aspect of it, too, is is like who is really going to be the guy that you can rely on in those big spots to like be able to shut the door in the rotation. And, and you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Who do you think will have the best ERA slash FIP for the people who are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you use ERA. It's like, oh, wait, I'll buy you with a pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, who is the best ERA or FIP at the end of the season? In, in my mind, I'm going to pick Bayo. Yeah, you're saying just in the rotation? Just in the rotation. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you, dude. I think it's Bayo. I think Bayo has a chance to be an all star. Uh, I I don't see a reason why not. I mean, I know that he had some some tightness issues in the spring, and you really don't like to hear that, but mm-hmm. that's that's the only reason that he wouldn't is is if some injury comes along. And I will say this: I hate to be critical of team staff, but if there is one department that I don't feel bad criticizing. It's the medical staff. The medical staff kind of need to be fired. So, like, that's just sorry. It's been so bad. So, I am the tiniest bit worried that this guy said he has forearm tightness, mm-hmm. which is not good. Uh, it usually indicates something bad. I don't want right. to say what, but usually yep. something bad. Mm-hmm. 
and the they of PJ. <laughs> mm-hmm, and they looked him up and down, smacked him on the ass, and said, "You know what? You're good to go. Miss one start, you're good to go." That's my one concern: is that they are rushing him along rather than really taking a deep dive, maybe getting a second opinion from somebody yeah. outside the team. Yeah, that's the only reason I I see it being anybody other than Bayo. And if it wasn't, uh I think I think there's no reason Sale can't be darn good. Maybe not, yeah, you know, 2018, 2017 sale, but like darn good. Yeah, because I remember Tyler Glasnow like two years ago, like the Rays were going back and forth on if he should get TJ or just keep on going. And then like they waited. And it was even the same thing with sale too. Now that I'm thinking about it too, like you, you just waited and then, uh, you know, just you have to wait even longer for him to recover and everything like that. And then, you know, I, I mean, you saw the things that came up with the hamstrings. It was interesting when I had Ian Brown on, you know, he mentioned it was the dehydration and with like the heat of like Florida that could, you know, attribute to like the hamstrings. Cause you saw Wong go down, you saw Brayu go down Paxton and, it was just like, all right, dude, somebody, somebody's got to change some sort of like warm up, like stretching or something like that. We need to stretch our hamstrings so then, you know, we don't keep on pulling them or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think as well, you know, starting to look, look at the look at the lineup in sort of the the depth that that this lineup has. Obviously, you know, they don't have that big power bat. Uh, you know, you can look at Duvall as that guy, but you don't really know what he's going to give you after, uh, you know, being injured for majority of you know twenty two. But, you know, for you, you know, looking at the average, there's a lot of guys in this lineup that can get on base. And, you know, it's shown in the stats. And so I'm curious for you, who do you think will have the best batting average in this lineup? I'm going to I'm going to say Verdugo. Ooh, The best average for Dugo. He's due. He's due, bro. He he needs one. He needs a big year just for his own sake. And he he came into spring, you know, best shape of his life. But <laughs> uh, does. he really did, man. And uh, I like how loose he's been. I'm rooting for Verdugo. I, I tweeted it a little earlier in the spring that watched for a monster year from him. So I, I don't hate that pick at all. I would say, um, you know, I, I – I was tempted to say Yoshi. He's just got such great bat to ball skills. Everybody mm-hmm. says that, but his contact rate is unbelievable. I think Justin Turner oh, has a okay. real chance to dominate in terms of just getting on base high average. His career batting average numbers seem like they're from a different era. All I was saying in my head while I was waiting for you to say it was Cassis, Cassis, Cassis. For batting average? Yeah. No. Just because I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to say Turner. No, I mean, no. Cassis is is Cassis is is going to have a maybe lead the team in OBP, but I I, I would be shocked if Cassis hit over two thirty. I mean, maybe really, it's a little up two thirty five. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the evaluations of him in the minors, wherever that he was a high average guy. I mean, I know that he had, you know, you know, the thing is when you're essentially a major leaguer who's playing mm-hmm. in triple a, like you're going to dominate, you see those yeah. numbers and whatever. Like I remember I worked for uh, the Fisher cats. I mentioned it like everywhere I go, but I worked for the Fisher cats in 2018 and uh, Vlad, like three months into the year was hitting like five sixty. It was like the funniest thing. Cause it's Jeez. like, 
it's like so obvious. Like this is a major leaguer who's playing in New Hampshire. Like this doesn't, this guy should not be here. So uh, I know that he, you know, had some numbers in, in Worcester that that looked good, but I don't think in the major league level that he's going to ever be a high average guy. I think he's going to be a patient bat who, when he gets to one, he gets to one. That's why I Mm -hmm. like him as a, as a, as a leadoff guy, just because his OBP is going to be so high. But the past few years, just want to run back from twenty from twenty twenty two to twenty seventeen. Uh, Justin Turner's batting average has been two seventy eight, two seventy eight, three oh seven, two ninety, three twelve, three twenty two. Wow, he hits the ball. That's what he does. So I think. Uh, I think he could definitely take on a JD kind of role too. Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, said in the most recent episode that he could see the Turner hitting forty doubles. I think he hit like thirty six last season. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. That's a great take. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even even with getting older, dude. Even if he's just you know uh, some of those balls that would have been doubles in years mm-hmm. past are now singles. Right. It's whatever. I mean, I think. Uh, I think he could become like a de facto hitting coach. Mm-hmm. Much like JD was kind of looked at as difference being JT's a lot more personable, a lot more people like JT than JD. Right. And you know, for, for for you as well, like you know, RBIs is, is another aspect of you know offense that you know obviously helps score some runs, get some W, get some W's on on the board as well. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for you, I'm curious who you see leading this team in RBIs because I, I see I see a lot of guys in this lineup who, who could produce a high RBI number, but you know, I'm going to go a little bit of, you know, bold prediction. I think what we saw from Yoshida in the WBC, it's a pretty good indication of, you know, I mean, he broke the record for the most RBIs in, in the world baseball classic. So he's probably going to bat, you know, three or four. I'm going to say Yoshida. Uh, I, I don't hate that. Yeah. I think, I think he's officially the cleanup guy. If I if I remember correctly, so he mm-hmm. he's going to have opportunity, presumably, if everything goes according to plan. He's definitely going to have opportunity. I think he's going to hit for, high, for a high average, like I said. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't hate that pick at all. I think personally, just because of the sheer power, I gotta say it's Devers. Yeah, I I just gotta say because I I see him hitting a lot of bombs this year. Uh, I have him in the the mid thirties range. Uh, I think, uh, for me, it's it's got to be Devers just because I see those hand in hand. I see the homers and RBI title going both to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with him strictly out of gut and vibe because it just feels like if he gets the homer <laughs> title on the team, he's also going to get the ribby one. Right. And, you know, especially, you know, thinking about this team and you are speaking about over the last few months, you know, there's been three words that, you know, I've, I've sort of said consistently with is there's a lot of what ifs, there's a lot of potential, there's a lot of pressure on a lot of guys as well. And I, I think, uh, you know, with, with the amount of things that have to go right for this Red Sox team, to not even just like make the playoffs, have a winning record. Uh, I, I'm curious uh, who sort of that one guy who steps up and, is really able to make the difference for this team. And I I think, you know, the easy answer of like who the X factor for this team would be going into the season is obviously, you know, Devers or a guy like Kluber at the top of the rotation, but this is a sort of a weird way to ask it, but you know, I'm curious 
if there's any guy who's semi like underrated in your mind of like an X factor who could really make a ginormous difference ultimately for this team to get a lot of W's on the board. Gosh, I think there's so many guys who have high ceilings, you know, it's a matter of how much they reach it, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think Kike has a really high ceiling. I think Christian Arroyo has a really high ceiling. Mm. I think Justin Turner could be that guy you're talking about, but I'm going to go back to the guy who I said is going to have a monster year. And I think that's Alex Verdugo. Yeah. I think expectations for him have settled a little bit mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, nobody is publishing articles today that say, you know, where the hell has Alex Verdugo been? Why isn't he what we expected? You know, he was, uh, at the beginning of his time here viewed as the Mookie guy. You know, he mm-hmm. was the the trade for Mookie and the people who are a little closer to the deal assured everybody, Hey, the major piece of this trade is Jeter Downs. And suddenly like this pressure was lifted <laughs> off of him. Right. And Jeter Downs uh, wasn't the major piece of that trade as it turns out. But I like that none of the focus has like redirected at it. There's nothing that has, um, there's no hate that has come his way because right. a trade didn't work out, you know? Yeah. So I like that people have just kind of said like, ah, screw the trade. The trade didn't work. I messed this one up. And it almost feels like people have just surrendered to the idea of like, ah, oh, yeah, we lost that one. Mm-hmm. And and I feel they- like for, I feel like for him too, it's like more of like, are you going to show that you deserve to be on the future of this team and that the Red Sox should extend an extension to you? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and, and I think that he I think that he wants one, dude. I think that he does. And I think he really genuinely loves it in Boston. I don't mm-hmm. I know that gets tossed around so much, but I mean he got like you know a ten thousand dollar chain of the Red Sox love. Right. Yeah. He, I think he I think he <laughs> likes it, you know? A little bit. <laughs> so yeah, I'd I'd I'm rooting for a big year from him too, man. I think he just deserves it. I think he's had some bad luck. He refuses to take time off. Uh, he, he just plays through everything. He's never been on the DL in Boston mm-hmm. or the, the IL in Boston. He's just, he refuses to to go down. He plays through everything. He's a dog. Uh, who, he's a dog who loves the town, who got some bad breaks. Uh, you know, he just some terrible, terrible Babbitt luck last year. And uh, he's just, uh, he's really due for a big year. So I think, if Doogie gets rolling and he's not down on himself and he's able to look back at like April and, you know, hold, hold his chin a little higher. I think he could be the X factor for this team for sure. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I think with, with him, even when you see him have like his down moments or Alex Cora call him out or, you know, all these different things that have happened to him since, you know, he's joined the Sox, you never see his limb, his, his light dim. He's always a bright light. And, you know, the, the, the media, you know, in the clubhouse or when you just like see him play in the game, you, you never see him down. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you hear a lot of these players say, how, how can you be down when you're playing a kid, a kid's game? But, you know, especially with some of the past things that we've seen when the media doesn't speak nicely about a player, or, you know, when they ask them a specific question, sometimes you know they snap back at him or, you know, just different things like that. So it's, it's been nice to see him, uh, you know, continue to keep stay positive vibes and, and to, you know, 
when things aren't going his way uh, to still be able to produce on the field and also in the clubhouse as well. And um, I'm curious for you, just, just last question for you is, Mm. you know, going into opening day with, you know, this, any prediction that we have sort of is, is, you know, out the window, you know, we can't really make any more preseason predictions once opening day officially starts. So I know that you guys did some bold predictions on ITM, but, but I'm curious for you is, is there any, prediction that you might not have said on the show that uh you know you feel really strongly about <sighs> something that i haven't said yet hmm i think i've already said Bayo's gonna be an all-star i oh okay um alfaro supplants wong at some point I think that that happens. Uh, I don't know why he did not get picked up by another team uh, when he did not make the opening day roster. I don't fully understand that. Maybe there is something that uh, is beyond me there. But uh, in terms of getting offense from the position, how do you turn that away? So I, I think in not too much time, I could see Alfaro taking Wong's spot on this roster. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's super bold, but yeah, I can see that. As well. I mean, especially with like the deadline of like June of, of his opt out, you know, I, I think you kind of got to make that decision before that, uh, before, you know, all four really has the control. Uh, but you know, for me, I'm going to say, uh, you know, I just made this up right on the spot, but I, I truly do believe this. I think, uh, I think that Christian Arroyo has the chance to sort of get a, get a potential nod, uh, an all-star game sort of like we saw Brock Holt do of, you know, as, as a bench piece or uh, one of those last guys to get picked as an all-star selection. I think, you know, Christian Royal is going to have a big season this year. I would love it, dude. Another guy who's due, who deserves one, had some bad injury luck. And yeah, I, I, I love Christian. So I'm always rooting for him, man. He, he deserves it. He got a Maserati the other day. So <laughs> I think he's really locked in on being a dude on this team. You don't yeah. you don't get a Maserati off the bench. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. He's, in, he's an everyday infielder. You know what? I'm I'm treating myself and he deserves it. Yeah, he's 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 ready to dominate this season. He's ready to show Red Sox Nation the rest of the MLB that he belongs and that he's not uh, some utility player uh, and that he can yeah. be a starting second baseman. I'm excited to see him do it. Uh, but you know, for people who you know l- listen to this podcast, you know, five days a week, love the Red Sox. How can they support you and listen to the great things that you and Steve are doing over on ITM? Yeah, so you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at itm underscore pod. Uh, you can also read our stuff on si.com. Uh, I don't know the I should really know our own URL. I think it's <laughs> it's si.com slash MLB slash Red Sox. But I mean, you can just find it's just just, you know, Google Sports Illustrated Red Sox. You can read our stuff there. Yeah, the show is ITM available wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter at Joey Capone or you can just find me in the bio of ITM pod, which is easier than trying to spell my name. <laughs> Yeah, definitely go and check that stuff out. Him and him and Steve do a fantastic job of, you know, not only breaking down, you know, all the biggest storylines of the Red Sox, but I, I also love the guests that you brought on, you know, throughout the offseason. Wouldn't be surprised if you have some more in your back pocket uh, for during the season. But you know, great, greatly appreciate you coming on, Joey, and for all the insight. And uh, can't wait for Red Sox baseball to be back. 
Neither can I, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I hope you did enjoy my conversation with Joey Capone and got a little bit of insight and excitement ahead of opening day today. But as always, we greatly appreciate you tuning into Locked On Red Sox and for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen and check out and check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. And we want to thank you so much, as always, for tuning in throughout this offseason and throughout spring training. And if you've loved those episodes throughout that time, we're going to still be posting five days a week throughout the season. So if you have not yet, make sure to subscribe to Locked on Red Sox over on YouTube or wherever audio platform that you listen to so you get notified when we post new episodes. And also make sure to follow us over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. Because before every episode, we'll post either who we're talking to, the subject that we're talking about, and we try and give you the listeners an opportunity to share your opinions. And we react to your opinions on different episodes because we want to do our best to make this the most fan-engaging Red Sox podcast that there is out there. And the only way that you can see those tweets and get involved is to follow us over on Locked on Red Sox on Twitter, LO underscore Red Sox. Also follow myself is at Jake Iggy. And also my co-host Lauren is La La La. Three laws, Lauren with four R's. As always, we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. I hope that you enjoy opening day and you're ready for Red Sox baseball to be back. When this episode, how we always end it. Keep the faith and let's go, Sox. Peace.